Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Today on the show, we're going to talk a little about post-emerge corn herbicides. If you've got any questions about that or anything that's going on in your farm, you can give us a call, 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You could also email us, radio at agphd.com, or send us a note on Twitter, Media. Darren Hefty or Brian Hefty. So we are live in the Morton studio today, and right before the show, Darren and I were just talking about the crop report that'll come out here, or at least planting progress report that'll come out here in just a little while. It is really going to be variable depending on the state that you're looking at. So there are some states in severe drought. Other states have had lots of moisture. Some states, like ours, it was really cold, really long into the spring, along with the snow hanging around and almost record snowfall this year. So like in our area, we're, we're a little bit delayed, but, uh, but anyway, things are, are progressing. And we always try to be ahead, at least just a little bit here on our show, at least for our region. Now, I realize if you're in the extreme southern United States, your corn's probably huge, and you're going, oh, wait a second here. I sprayed my corn a long time ago. Yep, we understand that. But, I mean, we keep talking about some of these things because they are so important throughout the year. So when it does come to post-corn, post-emerge corn herbicides, um, we, we have a number of different options, and it's important to look to at the stage of that corn. So let's just say, for example, that we're not talking about today here on our farm or coming up in a couple of weeks when we actually spray our corn when it's, let's call it V3, V5, something like that. Let's say your corn actually is big. And the reason why I want to start you with this too is because I just want you thinking about how important it is to get the weeds killed early on. Because I'll bet you... oh. I probably get five or 10 questions about this every summer where guys go, you know, I didn't get the post-emerge corn herbicide on. Now I got a weedy mess out there. Now what do I do? And let's say we're, I don't know, at five foot tall corn or something. And I'm going, oh, okay. Um, You don't really have any great options at this point. And the first thing that people will usually bring up to me is, well, I can go uh, after brown silk with 2,4-D. And I go, okay, let's just think about this logically for a second. First of all, you're going to be spraying real late and it's hot. You know what the new rules are on dicamba, I assume. That can volatilize. Well, so can old 2,4-D. So basically, you're going to spray some product that's going to volatilize all over the place right in the heat of the summer. That doesn't sound good. And then the other side of that is, are you actually going to kill the weeds anyway? Are they? Have they already started to form seed? Have they already gone to seed? Is it going to make much difference? Because at that point, all you're looking at is trying to prevent seed for the future because the yield's already lost. The studies that I've seen over the years are this. You've got to keep that corn as weed-free as possible during the first foot of growth. So once you get past a foot tall, weeds don't make much difference. But in that first foot of growth, that's where weeds can absolutely destroy your yield. 
But then, like I say, there is that other side of things. We want to stop weeds from going to seed also. So this is the reason why we're talking about residual herbicides to last longer. We're talking about getting great crop canopy to choke out any weeds later in the year. But you want to start clean, and then you need to stay clean for a while, at least until that corn is a foot tall. So those are really the big things that I would be considering. And yes, we believe it is it's just incredibly important to have great weed control pre-preferably, but for sure early post-emerge in your corn. So we're going to talk about some of the options uh, on today's show, but right now let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag! All right, Brian, uh, we had some interesting questions around the tank clean-out show that we did and Clayton had one he goes okay talk about the sprayer how about the nurse tank setup uh specifically I've got a nurse tank trailer without a sump it seems like there's always five gallons left over at the bottom do you guys just use a shop vac and suck that out and then triple rinse or how do you deal with that type of thing well, I guess it all depends on how you're set up so here's how we're set up on our farm we've got a, a a trailer that runs around. And by the way, we we were going through, we were talking about getting a different sprayer. So I, my first question was, well, how many hours are we putting on the sprayer, self-propelled sprayer right now? Well, it was 500, 500, 500. And then all of a sudden we went down to 300 for the last few years. And one of our guys is like, well, why is it different? Well, I mean, what what's the big deal? And I said, well, number one, we've been combining fields, but the biggest thing is really that spray trailer. It's huge. But here's what we're doing with it. We're just, we're hauling water. And then we've got herbicide separate. So when we talk about a nurse tank, we're not pre-blending things. So we don't typically advise that. We like to mix right there, right at the sprayer. That way we have the, well, there's there's less chance that we can have some things go wrong. We can lose efficacy out of the herbicide, but I get it. It's a little more work. And if you had everything already pre-mixed, that would be nice. So we, yeah, we don't do that. If we did, would I want to drain that out? Well, of course I would. Otherwise, you, you think about the, this shop vac answer. Okay, well, that's fine to get everything out of the tank, but what if you're going to switch from corn to beans? Or let's say you've got um, con- some conventional corn you planted. You need to go to that, and you had Roundup in the tank. Well, I mean, just getting it down to the bottom isn't good enough. Now you got to clean that nurse tank, too, and now you'd literally have to suck stuff out of there three, four times before you felt really comfortable. So I I, I wouldn't go that direction. I'd get something that drained out. I really would. Yep, I would too. Um, all right, Don had a comment here. So you guys were talking about the benefits of copper. I've used copper for decades, mostly for wheat, oats, and if I ever grow flax. High response crops to copper applications, and I built up my soil levels with copper sulfate through broadcast or spray. But nice. if I do it foliar, it scorches the plant. One comment yeah. I have is since I built up my copper, I have a lot less disease headaches in my crops. Yes. Hey, thank if, you, Don. Really appreciate that. Yeah, if you're going to be foliar, you got to be careful about the rate. But copper foliar can be a bactericide and a fungicide, or at least have some fungicidal properties. Stay tuned. We'll talk post-corn herbicides next. Back with multi-year proven results, Torque drives performance. Unique to other biologicals, Torque can be applied with other chemistries. Use in furrow or side dress to increase mycorrhizal associations, enhancing root development. 
Learn more about Torque at thinkbiological.com or contact your local retailer and ask for Torque today. Novozymes BioAg. Think Biological. When it comes to cereal disease protection, Prosaro Pro 400 SC fungicide from Bayer makes all the difference. With three effective active ingredients for overlapping control of foliar and head diseases and a flexible application window for head scab, it's formulated to lower dawn, protect yield potential, and promote superior grain quality. Prosaro Pro, the future of plant health starts here. Visit prosaropro.com to learn more. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Hi, I'm Greg Souter at 360 Yield Center. It's painful to pay high prices for nitrogen. Even more painful to know that a chunk of the end will not be there when the plant needs it. The solution is 360 Y-Drop. With 360 Y-Drop, you apply right before the plant's rapid uptake cycle. You can adjust your rate, resupply lost nitrogen, or cut the rate if conditions are right. Learn more at 360yieldcenter.com. Warehouse, what can we do for you? Yeah, I'm looking for some nitrogen. All right, we're running low and it's awful pricey, but uh, let me check. Hold. The answer to low supply and high prices for nitrogen is Invita, a microbe with systemic nitrogen fixation. Invita works throughout the foliage and roots, providing a right place, right time source of nitrogen to maximize yield in corn, wheat, and soybeans. Yeah, we're all out, but... You know what? I'll take some of that Invita. <laughs> That's what I was going to recommend. Book your Invita while supplies last. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today, and we're talking about post-corn herbicides. And one of the herbicides we get a lot of questions about because it's newer, and it's we hear a lot of talk about dicamba products. We hear about status and, and HPPDs, but uh, one of them that's been really helpful, especially fighting Roundup-resistant pigweed, has been tough. And so we got our friend Tom Wood on with Belsham right now to talk about tough and some other things too. Well, hey, Darren, it, it isn't necessarily a new product. It's it's being marketed as, uh, it's being marketed now and it wasn't for many years. So yeah, tough is out there and it's real good on a lot of these broadleaf weeds, especially some that are getting HPPD resistant, maybe dicamba resistant. So anyway, yeah, we wanted to talk about that to just start the show. So Tom, uh, tell us just a little bit about tough and where that kind of fits in terms of the whole, whole broadleaf spectrum out there. Okay. Good day, gentlemen. Thanks for having me on. Uh, so Tough um, is uh, we've positioned it in as a corn herbicide, and it it was around in the past. But uh, what's changed today is that we positioned it as a tank mix because it synergizes quite well with HPPD chemistries. So it's Tough. Uh, uh, with impact, with Callisto, with Shield X, with Lotus. Um, if you're struggling with resistant weeds like uh, water hemp, kochia, palmer, adding tough to your tank, eight ounces an acre versus the full rate that historically was out there, um, can increase your control if you have a really bad problem up to 30%. But it's definitely going to in- increase your control if you're struggling with those weeds. Yeah. So the thing that I like about uh, Tough is just that it can be tank mixed with a lot of different products. It, we're not having, let's say, 
uh, some of the compatibility agents, or, or we need a compatibility agent like we do with some of the other combinations that are out there. And in terms of speed of control, it's fairly quick. So I guess one of the biggest ones that we've been tank mixing with and talking to people about is just the HPPD chemistry. So that's where the tougher really fits in. And I guess that did now just get approved federally, correct? So looking at going into next season, at least, you guys should have plenty of that available, I would assume. Yeah, we'll launch tougher in, in 2020. Well, it's 2024 next year. <laughs> So, <laughs> I know, time flies. <laughs> uh, our, our shareholders changed our fiscal year, so they're already talking 2024. But anyway, uh, Tougher will be available for the uh, 2024 season. We just got our registration last week. So if you're happy with Tough and a tank's mix with an HPPD, um, Tougher brings dual modes of action of pyridate and mesotrione in one jug. Um, it performs as good or better. My technical guys will say, don't say better, um, because maybe not statistically, but all of our field trials show great performance uh, versus the tank mix. Very convenient. The synergistic effects, the, um, the speed of action that we see, particularly mixed with atrazine. Um, so it's very tank mix friendly. So everything you're used to putting in your tank, uh, tougher will be compatible with all those as well. Um, and oh, by the way, back on uh, tough a little bit, we have good data that shows it shows great effects combining it with dicamba products as well. Status goes very well. Yep. Hey, Brian, a few other things yeah. too. And I, I know a lot of farmers that we talk to say, man, tough has been really good on the pigweed species for me. But I've also got comments Tom, on burr cucumber that it's given some help, on kochia, jimson weed, nightshade. So there, I think there's like 40 weeds on the label. So it's not just a, a one-trick pony. Uh, that's for sure. We, we focus on uh, the resistant weeds um, because that's where it technically has a good fit. And from a competitive standpoint, it adds a measurable return on investment. If, you're, if you lose 5% yield on your, your corn at $6 plus corn these days, maybe $50 an acre, and you invest 10 to 12 in, in tough, it works good. Uh, but, yeah, we, we get all those other weeds um, as well that are on the label. You can add lamb's quarter to that. You can um, add uh, uh, mustard, I, I believe, also. And we, we see that in areas, you know, outside of, of corn as well, and chickpeas, lentils. Uh, mint, um, where we get those weeds, and they focus on different weeds. So a lot of times in the past, we would take a look at Bucktro, for example, and say, okay, Tough is fairly similar to Bucktro, but Tough is a little bit more broad spectrum. That's definitely better on pigweed than yeah. Bucktro. Yep, and, and that's probably the biggest question that we get from a lot of people is, how do I kill Palmer pigweed? How do I kill water hemp? All these different weeds. And so, again, this tougher, what it is, it's a mixture of the active ingredients found in tough and Callisto. Well, Callisto is a great chemistry, and there are generics out there now that are really inexpensive, but we are starting to see some resistant weeds pop up. And so guys say, well, I'll throw a little atrazine with it. Okay, we got resistant weeds to that too. So that's where it's nice getting a different mode of action in there because 
Tuffy is not in the same chemistry as Callisto. It's not in the same chemistry as atrazine. It's not in the same chemistry as dicamba. So if you want to mix things up a little bit, this is a pretty good way to go. And that's why we wanted to start the show off talking about that because everybody asks questions about Callisto and dicamba. They don't ask a lot of questions about, well, what else can I get in there that's going to kill weeds that are starting to get resistant to some of these that are out there? And, and Tom, you did mention throwing a little atrazine even with the tougher, that would give you three different modes of action. And now we're going to feel pretty comfortable. And you can look at almost every study ever done. If you get three modes of action out there and three that are at least mostly effective on a lot of these weeds, uh, it's really tough to find resistant weeds then. So Tom, what else, uh, what else can you tell us about tough and tougher? And after that, I got a couple more questions for you on another product. Well, I think it's uh, it's that time of the season where we're talking a lot about uh, tough because it's available in the market now. We've had no supply chain issues with this, so supply is not an issue. I, I think uh, we've been even more surgical in our pricing, so uh, getting it at the right cost per acre that growers are preferring, I think we've done a good job with that. Um, I may have said this last time, but um, we've done some work on seed corn. So uh, Pioneer has tested it with, with no uh, issues whatsoever. So keep seed corn's on the label. I know that's important. So tough is, is good for that as well. Um, but all the usual things, uh, we continue to gain traction with tough. More and more growers are using it. Our issues have been awareness mainly. So the more we talk about it and the more people use it, we get a lot of repeat users. The biology's there, so uh, we have no variability in, uh, in our results with that product. Um, you can even at times, which is new for even last year and this year, um, it can be the anti-volatility or, or <laughs> uh, well, and product. also also the yeah. the anti-crop rotational concern right, product right. too, and that's been another one that we've seen pop up, especially with some of the drought conditions. Guys are talking about carryover. Not going to have a carryover problem with tough. No. no, if you're comfortable with your residual, you won't have to worry about um, tough in the tank impacting that at all. Hey, That's Tom, a good point. yep, last question we got, and we only have about 30 seconds. So just real quick, Spinaid for sugar beets, just got a label. Tell us about that real quick. So it's 24C special local needs uh, registration for North Dakota and Minnesota uh, post-end application in your tank mix with Etho and uh, PowerMax has been tested. Very effective. If you're struggling with resistant kochia or lamb's quarter, this is the target that was um, uh, supported in the 24C. Huge support and a big thank you to the weed scientists at North Dakota and Minnesota and the uh, sugar beet industry and the sugar companies as well. So it's a good product. I know it's been used before, once again, just like Puridate, uh, but it's a good solution and there's not too many. No, no, that's, that's right. for sure. That's oh, and by the way, I, I, I got to say, North Dakota State, where the, when you say North Dakota, people from North Dakota State are going to have a problem. So anyway, uh, yeah, spin aid for sugar beets that is now labeled. Thanks, Tom. That's Tom Wood, Belsham. We'll be right back. The hardworking, independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. 
It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health through awareness, guidance, and action. Together, we can uproot the stigma. This whole midnight ride thing is getting real. But the HPPD resistant weeds are coming. We've got verdict herbicide. Verdict herbicide? Yeah, it's a non HPPD corn pre herbicide from BASF. Oh, well then, get some sleep. Yeah, will do. The weeds are coming! Switch to verdict herbicide! Always read and follow label directions! It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. At Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support the ag industry. That's why at our free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event, we're giving away more than 100 college scholarships. Plus, we'll head out into the field for hands-on agronomy sessions, including our comprehensive guide to crop scouting. This day may be geared towards younger farmers, but whether you're a college student or just want good agronomy info, this is one event you won't want to miss. Learn more and register for the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event at agphd.com. Learn on the job with the CNB Apprenticeship Program. Through in-person training and on-the-job experience, this unique opportunity gives you the chance to learn advanced ag diesel technology without the traditional technical school format or expense. Learn more at cbequipment.com careers. From machine storage buildings and farm shops to dependable buildings to house your livestock, regardless of building size or use, Morton has a building for every budget. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit mortonbuildings.com. My mom's got a new case IH tractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. Stay in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out caseih.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Martin Studio, and we're talking about post-corn herbicides on today's program. And, of course, we're taking your calls and agronomic questions, too, at 844-44-AG-PHD. Okay, so when we start talking about post-emerge corn herbicides, my first question is, what did you use pre? And the reason why we have to know that is because if you put an HPPD out there pre-emerge already, you're done unless you want to go corn again. So if you did Balance Flex, you did Acuron, Resicor, uh, I mean, there are just so many different combinations that have an HPPD chemistry. We don't want to double up on that, again, unless you want to go back to corn next year. But here's the other side of that. If you say, well, I did an HPPD pre, well, I want to do one again post. 
okay, how, what else are you using out there to make sure those weeds are under control? We're not big fans of that, that HPPD is your base product, both pre and post. So you can farm however you want to. We're just trying to help you get the best weed control for the least amount of cost and not have resistance issues popping up because here's what usually happens with this resistance thing. Darren and I get calls and somebody's got a weed disaster and you know what a weed disaster can cost you. It's two things. Number one, you have lost yield this year and it could be 20, 30 bushels, maybe more. But then the other side of it is all those weeds go to seed and now you got a disaster moving forward. I, I just, I always think about this. This was over 25 years ago and we were running this test with, it was actually with accent and we were trying to prove whether, okay, should we do something pre or could we get by with just a total post program? And we never uh, were big believers in total post, but we went out there with accent and we did everything according to the label. And, and there were just, there were some weeds, some grass weeds, it just flat out didn't kill. And we said, you know what, let's just let it go. Who cares? Well, we'll see what happens. So yield was fine, but the problem is when you let all those grass plants go to seed, what happened? And I'm not kidding you, for the next five years in a row, nothing that we put out there pre worked like we thought it should work. Now, we can't blame the pre. It was just the fact that we had so much weed pressure. Fortunately, it was only 30 acres of a 60-acre field. But my point here is you want to make sure you're using multiple effective modes of action all the time so you don't get into a situation like that. Now, granted, that wasn't a resistance issue, but still, uh, if you have a resistance problem, it's going to be the same kind of thing. You're going to have a bunch of weeds, and then they're going to get big on you, and there might be something else you could use, but all of a sudden it's getting late, and you go, well, I don't know, maybe I'll just let it go, and then you got a mess. So anyway, if let's just say, for example, you did not use an HPPD pre, okay, you used literally anything else, now you're wide open post-emerge, and here are a couple of the considerations you need to make. First of all, the base molecule that you're probably going to use, it's either going to be HPPD or dicamba. So we were just talking about tough, but I mean, there aren't many guys who are running out there with tough all by itself or buctrol all by itself or atrazine all by itself. All those things get added on to either an HPPD or dicamba. So that's really what it comes back to. But when we talk about dicamba, a lot of people consider status a dicamba product. And here's the thing. It does have some dicamba, but it is not based on dicamba. Diflufenzapyr is the, the molecule or the active ingredient that gives you most of the activity in that. So I would just say we're looking... Sure, it's it's got some dicamba in there, but it's I don't really classify it as this dicamba thing. So I kind of look at, okay, that gives me HPPD, dicamba, or I could go status. But, I mean, other than that, we don't have a lot of molecules out there post-emerge. And this is the reason why we like seeing rotation. We like seeing using uh, multiple effective modes of action so we don't have resistance problems because boy if you lose one well now you're down to just a couple and and that's that's not a lot all right we're going to jump back to the phone lines here got tim Dahl on with us he's with syngenta over in minnesota hey tim how are you today i'm really good thanks for having me on today you bet we were just talking about one of your products 
pre-emerge, a lot of people like to use Acuron, which is fine. It's just what we worry about is we want to make sure guys are using multiple effective modes of action. And if they use a pre that's HVPD, we just assume they use something else post-emerge, or maybe they don't have to use anything at all. But talk to us just a little bit about what you guys are seeing at Syngenta in terms of rotating chemistries and concern about weed resistance. Right. So I, I think your your point right before I came on about having a really strong pre is is really, you know, key in that fight against resistance and just weeds in general, right? Um, weeds are much less, um, I'm going to call it, they're more susceptible to the herbicide, obviously, when we're in the ground, very small when they're germinating. Um, they're usually, if we have moisture and uh, the chemicals activated, you know, pretty easy to control. So again, it's layering, right? That's one of our big key points. We like to get um, especially dual group 15 down and then come back with another shot of dual in that post-pass. Um, and for that matter, laying other sites of action as well. Yeah, and that's one thing I hadn't gotten to yet. I was just talking about uh, dicamba and status and HPPDs and, and atrazine. Well, a lot of people had only used group 15's pre-emerge back, let's call it 20 years ago. Well, now you look at all these different combinations. Well, even like I mentioned Acuron, or I mean, you've got a bunch of other products that could be used post-emerge that have a group 15 to give you residual to later in the season. Yep, absolutely. But again, the key is, right, we know that the group 15s aren't effective post-emerge, and so we need to have that clean field. Or um, a product like Acuron GT, we mentioned Acuron. Acuron GT post would have, um, you know, obviously bicyclopyrone and Callisto and glyphosate in that. So we're stacking that on top of that group 15 as a post. Yeah, and just to clarify your statement there, when you say group 15 isn't effective post-emerge, it doesn't have burn-down activity. So it only has residual. So no, we love it pre and post, and I know you guys do too, but you can't get by usually with just a group 15. You got to have these other molecules out there. So you mentioned bicyclopyrone. And there's mesotrione. Okay, so what's really the difference, and what do you see by adding that bicyclopyrin? It's another HPPD, so it's kind of similar chemistry, but what's different about it? Yeah, and thanks for clarifying that that previous point. Um, <laughs> yeah, bicyclopyrin is a, is a really neat molecule, and, and we started um, working with bicyclopyrin um, several years ago, um, six, seven years ago, out at Morgan, Minnesota, at our research site and and it was really effective especially on on things that Callisto might be a little weak on like giant ragweed the the physical characteristics and the properties of bicyclopyrone although it's an HPPD are quite different than Callisto so it's able to get down in that soil profile um, as, as a pre and be effective on things like giant ragweed and again very effective post and you mentioned uh, with the previous caller adding atrazine, right? We add yep. atrazine to bicyclopyrone and Callisto, and boy, it becomes just a super effective combination. And again, I say combination. Yeah, and okay, so you've mentioned pre's and posts. We are typically talking about, for the very best weed control, applying a pre and a post. So you've got all these different mixes that have bicyclopyrin. Like in your area specifically, do you prefer to see that pre or do you prefer to see that post? Yeah, great, great question. So um, again, 
I am further east in Minnesota, and it's going to change where you're at. Obviously, um, you know, you guys are further west, and you see kosher and things like that. Yep. One of our driver species here in the east is giant ragweed, and I keep talking about that. But again, the water hemp species are drivers for all of us. Right. So one of the things that we've done is we've gone east. Um, uh, several um, people that are using Acuron GT, it's been out for a couple of years, and I'll know that we can't follow Acuron or Acuron Flexi, a bicyclopyrone containing product, because we've got the full 20 gram or the full shot of bicyclopyrone yeah. in that Acuron GT post. And that's what makes it really effective post-emerge on the giant ragweed, right? It's yeah. just got a lot of product and, and again, very effective. So that's kind of how we've gone. And we, we actually developed a, an old premix that's new again, right? It, it's Dual hey. and Callisto. Hey, hey uh, Tom, I, or Tim, I apologize. Uh, we're up against a break. Hang on for us. We'll be right back. Morton Buildings has served the American farmer for more than 120 years. From manufacturing our own building components to constructing your building, Morton takes pride in being the industry leader in post-frame construction by providing a quality building and exceptional customer service. A Morton is built to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. Nothing but net. Win your soybean season with the fast knockdown and lasting broad spectrum control of Elevest Insect Control from FMC. Take on army worms, stink bugs, soybean loopers, and more with the maximized ratio of premier active ingredients for better overall control of more than 40 labeled pests. Visit your FMC retailer or elevest.ag.fmc.com to up your game this season. Always read and follow all label directions. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Waterhemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of fierce herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. You won't want to miss this year's Ag PhD Field Day with guided tours of our extensive research plots, world premieres of the latest ag technologies, the highest yielding farmers on the planet, and more equipment running than ever before. The Ag PhD Field Day just keeps getting bigger and better. We'll also have great family entertainment, including a kids area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and food and drink available all throughout the day. But the best part is everything's free. Go to agphd.com to learn more for the Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 27th. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients, AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. 
get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The end zone from FarmShop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit FarmShopMFG.com for more. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio just talking post-emerge corn herbicides. And right before the break, we had Tim Dahl on with us. He's with Syngenta. Tim, sorry about that. I had to cut you off there. But you were saying uh, right before the break about an older combination that you put together now. So so what was that again? Yeah, sorry, sorry I got a little long-winded there. Uh, <laughs> no problem. Calibra is, is, a, is a product that we um, pretty much put together uh, specifically to go in front of Acuron GT. It does not contain the bicyclopyrone. Therefore, we get that full shot post um, with the, uh, the Acuron GT. So it's a really nice combination. And I realize not everybody is using all Syngenta products. Um, so, you know, competitive uh, a pre in, in front of it, you know, we can get that full shot of bicyclopyrone post. So with the reduction in price with Dual, I assume you've had more people interested in that, either pre or maybe post combining it with something else. Uh, I I assume most of the acres that you've got out there, they've got Dual one way or the other, either in your pre-mix or uh, just buying it straight. Wouldn't you agree? I I think it's a lot of of Dual, a lot of metallochlor out there now. Yes, Really good product. Obviously, it's been around for quite a while, but it's got some really unique properties. Uh, this morning, I got a call uh, from a grower who had purchased a product and um, um, was worried about crop safety and application timing. We got some areas here that got quite a bit of rain over the weekend, so they're worried about their crop coming up. And so the nice thing about the dual dual is it's very safe and can go up to 30-inch corn. So a lot of flexibility with that product along with a lot of efficacy. But, yes, with the price changes in the market, um, obviously there's an opportunity, um, you know, to do some mixing and matching and, and, and build some, some pretty effective um, combinations out there. But again, the bicyclopyrone that I keep talking about, the only way that it's it's available is in one of those premixes at this time. Yeah. All right. Uh, again, we've been talking with Tim Dahl. He's with Syngenta over in Minnesota. Tim, thanks for the time today. Appreciate it. Oh, uh, thank you so much. Yep, you bet. All right. There's so many combinations, Brian. That's that's a good thing for for everyone just to kind of keep in mind what what are the mixes what are all the things that are going in because we do hear kind of like on the soybean side well we've got three modes of action there and okay well what are they and let's figure it out i love that they've changed on labels they didn't used to have this way back when but they have the group numbers on now so you can see okay what group of herbicide is this so i can tell oh it does have a group 15 in it that would be your soil residual grass and small seeded broadleaf products does it have um, well, like tough that we were talking about. Let's get a group six. Okay, okay. so yeah, I, I agree with you on these premixes. It gets really confusing. So what we've done for years, if you come to our Ag PhD workshops, and actually you can go to agphd.com under our resources tab, we have this what we call chemical component chart. And so just about anything that you're going to use, if it's a premix, it's got, in other words, multiple chemistries in there, we break it down. And we do it in 
common language. So rather than saying, oh, it's mesotrione, we just say Callisto. So I realize, yeah, it's not Callisto if it's not a Syngenta company, but all we're doing is comparing it to that. So we're not saying that it is that. And so anyway, we're able to obviously preface all these things and, and clarify when we have our workshops. But we do have some of our charts, like I say, that chemical component chart on our agphd.com website. But anyway, what we're going to encourage you to do all the time is just, first of all, let's talk about what's your number one weed and make sure that whatever your program is, you've got that targeted. Now, it is a little bit easier in corn because we have so many choices. So there are some crops where we don't have a lot of choices. You might only have one choice or two. Well, we have several for almost any weed that there is. But yeah, if you say, okay, water hemp's my number one concern and I got a disaster. What am I going to do? Then we're going to take a look at, okay, what's the best pre-emerge program? And then we're going to look at post. But sometimes we'll flip it around because we'll talk to people who will say, well, look, all I know is I used X product, whatever it was, and it didn't work that great last year, so I want to use something else. Okay, well, like I said earlier, you can't use an HPPD twice. So let's just say, for example, the person had used Dicamba. Now they want to go HPPD, post-emerge. All right, well, then that tells us, okay, pre-emerge, we can't have anything that's got HPPD in it. If you're going to do a full dose post-emerge, that's it. Okay, and yeah, you could throw some atrazine or dicamba with it at that point, or like we talked about earlier in the show, tough or something like that. Well, then that really limits us on what we're going to do pre. So the, the reason why we're talking about all this stuff here is we just want you thinking ahead all the time. And even if it's thinking about next year, that's, that's one of the other things. Uh, Tom Wood was talking earlier about how his company has already got him thinking about 2024. I'll be honest with you. I always think a year ahead on everything we're doing, and here's why. Because if we have some problem on the farm, I'm trying to figure out, or for that matter, just me as an agronomist, and I'm working with a farmer, I say, okay, what's our problem? How did we get into this mess? And what do we need to do to fix it in the future so we don't continue to have this problem again next year? So that's where, I mean, literally I'll put stuff in my calendar a whole year out, or sometimes it's eight or nine or 10 or 11 months out, whatever it is, like, okay, I got to do this step, and then I got to do this step, and then I got to do this step to make sure that we don't have this issue again next year. So if you're in this bind where you go, uh-oh, um, I didn't, or I did use an HPPD pre, I was planning to use it post, now, I, now you tell me I can't, or I shouldn't, because I want to rotate next year. All right, so now I'm left with, all right, I don't want to do straight dicamba, for example, so I want to go status. Just I, I'm just throwing this out there. And then you look at the price tag and you go, well, wait a second here. It's $20 an acre. What can I do next year so I could use an HPPD post instead? Okay, well, put it on your calendar. Hey, next winter we're going to talk about this and talk about your options and kind of run through that. But anyway, uh, there, there are some choices, but there really aren't all that many so we got to be careful about what we're doing pre, so then we're in good shape when it comes post-emerge. Last thing that I'll say on the post-emerge corn herbicides is as much as you can, try to spray early when the weeds are small. I'd rather make a mistake spraying too early than spraying too late. The later you spray, the bigger the weed, the harder it is to kill, the more yield damage is already done, 
and the more it's possible that you could ding up your corn. Now, I get it. There are a lot of products that are pretty safe. And even Dicamba with safeners like uh, Status and Diflex, they have safeners. I still don't trust them 100%. Maybe I should, but I don't. So I'd rather have you spray early. So like even on our own farm, I used to really try to time things out so we were right at V5. Well, here's the problem. We farm in the real world, not in the sim world or, you know, the online world or anything else. We can't control the conditions. We don't know what's going to happen. So I want to make sure I'm early because in the past, when we were trying to time it to V5 every single stinking year, we were late. And I'm like, okay, I only have myself to blame here. I'm, I'm asking too much. I'm asking for the weather to be good. It's just not going to happen. Or we'd have a sprayer breakdown or whatever. So now we'll literally start spraying our corn at V2, V3, something like that, just to make sure that we are done by V5. Um, oh, I guess there was one last thing I'll leave you with. When you are spraying your post-emerge herbicide, weather makes an absolute difference. So you want to have good weather leading up to it and good weather right after you spray. And by good, here's what I'm talking about. We need the nighttime temperatures over 50 degrees and preferably well over 50 degrees. We need the daytime temps in the 70s. We need to have the plants where they aren't totally drought stressed. They're very actively growing, okay? And usually drought isn't a big factor real early in the year. Even if you have drought, the plant doesn't feel the drought because it's so small yet. But where I'm going with this is if you've got good weather before and after, you can do more with less. You can do more with a normal rate. You can get 100% control instead of 97% control. So always try to pick the very best possible spraying days for your worst fields. So I always look at it as I'm going to take the worst field and whatever we do, that's the one that gets my priority treatment. It's gonna, I'm going to be there on the perfect day. All right, we'll talk a little more about post-corn herbicides and get to more of your questions in the Ag PhD mailbag right after this. Get uniform control in your fields with trusted, hard-working Lucento fungicide. Control the toughest diseases with a dual-mode-of-action fungicide that consistently outperforms the competition and field trials. Lucento fungicide from FMC works overtime for lasting control to help improve crop yields. Talk about getting the job done. Visit your FMC retailer or lucento.ag.fmc.com for hard-working control in your fields. Always read and follow all legal directions. This is Officer Jones calling for backup. 10-4. Location? Craver back 40. Looks like we've got Palmer amaranth, kochia, some common water hemp. Resistant weeds. Copy that. You'll need a good tank mix partner. I'm sending tough 5 EC. Come out with your hands up! Guys, we're surrounded. Crack down on repeat offenders. Add Tough 5EC to your post-emergence tank mix. Learn more at toughonweeds.com. Always read and follow label directions. Tough is a registered trademark of Belgian Crop Protection. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Utricia N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. 
At Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support the ag industry. That's why at our free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event, we're giving away more than 100 college scholarships. Plus, we'll head out into the field for hands-on agronomy sessions, including our comprehensive guide to crop scouting. This day may be geared towards younger farmers, but whether you're a college student or just want good agronomy info, this is one event you won't want to miss. Learn more and register for the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event at agphd.com. Are you ready? We got the need, the need for seed treatment. Start your engines. Ready, set, Intego. Start your season strong with Intego Sweet Soybeans, Intego Fungicide Soybeans, and Intego Sweet Cereals OF from Valent USA. Ask your Valent rep about seed treatment solutions or visit valent.com slash Intego. Always read and follow label instructions. When we told growers that New Bear Premium Trifold Herbicide for corn delivers visibly clean fields for up to eight weeks, they were a bit skeptical. Um, we'll see how it works. So we decided to prove it. We set up cameras in multiple cornfields, treated them with Trivolt, and filmed for 24 hours a day. For eight weeks, we saw a variety of weather conditions, and Trivolt worked. See for yourself at trivoltinaction.com. Trivolt is a restricted-use pesticide. Consult your state pesticide regulator for specific restrictions. Read and follow pesticide label directions. Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio. So we've been talking about post-corn herbicides, but I want to transition real quick because I was just reading this article about imbibitional chilling. And every time I read one of those things, I'm like, oh my goodness, seriously, people? Why do you keep talking about imbibitional chilling? That's not a real thing most of the time. What a lot of people, like ourselves, what we're doing on our own farm, we're looking for a couple of things. Number one, you got to have a high cold germination score. Was it actually that, oh, the so- or the water was cold and so that hurt the seed? No, it was the fact that you had a poor cold germ score. That's most of the time what we see is the real issue. And then the other thing is use a better seed treatment. We, we put about 50 things on the seed, and I'm not joking. 50 things on the seed. If you do that and you're using some biologicals, you're using better fungicides and stuff, you can overcome those things. So, I I mean, honestly, I don't care what that soil temp is. As long as it's above freezing and we have dry soil, I don't care what the soil temp is and I don't care what the water temp is when the water gets into my my seed. It's not going to hurt anything if you have high cold germ and you have the right seed treatments out there. So anyway, if you're concerned about that, make the change and you won't have to be worried about it at all in the future. All right, Darren, we got to hit some more Ag PhD mailbag questions because you were telling me during the break, uh, there was somebody who was about to waste a whole bunch of money. (laughs) So we we got to stop that. We get a whole bunch of questions. (laughs) I'm I'm looking through all the questions that came in here, uh, email questions, which by the way, if you have a question, you can give us a phone call, 844 44 ag phd or send us an email radio at agphd.com and i got an email from someone in brazil that's about to spend a bunch of money and i don't think it's a great idea so i I said man this one's got to be up at the top brand's like yeah we got to get to that one right away so um anyway this this comes from jp a common thing that happens here in our country in canada anywhere go ahead it is and uh, he said i'm trying to push fertility in my soils 
I have done lime, and then I've done PNK. I probably should have done the PNK first. Uh, phosphorus is really hard to go up. There's a lot of tie up here in our soils, in my opinion. Uh, now I want to put on micronutrients. I would like to put on 100 pounds per acre of manganese sulfate, 20 pounds per acre of zinc sulfate, and 15 pounds per acre of copper sulfate, and I'm going to plant corn. I'm wondering if I should broadcast <laughs> and incorporate this in. Uh, leave it on the surface. Should I use any of these foliar, that kind of thing? So lots, okay. of, lots of questions here. But, uh, JP, uh, you've only got a few samples that even have micros on it. I don't know what the analysis is for the micros, so I'm not going to spend in, in other words, a what ton of money. test was run to determine what micronutrient levels were. Go yeah. ahead. Do, do I doubt that you need micros? No, but I'm not going to spend that much money Unless I know for sure. Okay. It's like most things that we talk about here on the show. We'll usually say something like this. You don't have to believe a single word agronomically that, that, that we're telling you. But what we do encourage you to, to try is whatever we're talking about or whatever you want to do on a small scale. Just try it. So if you want to try this great big combination of micros, you certainly can. And it's totally up to you. It's your money. And it's your farm. But we just advise you, that's a lot of dollars you're going to invest. Try it on a small scale. See if you get yield response and income response, not just this year, but into multiple years, and then go from there. So some of the things that we talk about here in the show where we go, oh, we're going to do this big rate of this or that, or when we pick up new ground, we're going to build these levels. That's because we've been testing this that kind of stuff for 25 years. So we know what it will do in our soils. And we're very comfortable with the tests that we're running that, hey, we now have an idea. We don't know the lab you're dealing with, how accurate their tests are, anything. So it's really hard for us to tell you, oh, go spend $200 an acre on a bunch of micronutrients. Uh, we're, we're just not comfortable doing that. So along those lines, you asked about, okay, if I'm going to put these on, how should I put them on? Okay, like with copper, we put that through the sprayer most of the time because then uh, it's easy, it's one thing, and we're going with really low rates a lot of times. If you can do it before the crop is up, then you don't yes. take the risk of burn. And here's yep. the other thing with micros. There are so many different grades and formulations and so forth, and obviously you're, you're on another continent from where we're farming, so I'm not exactly sure which grade you're going to get and so forth, but I'm a little concerned about foliar impacts in terms of burn, especially with copper. Okay. With both zinc and copper, they barely move in the soil. Manganese moves a little bit better, but still it doesn't move super well. So we really, really like incorporating them, doing some tillage to get them down into the ground or just flat out placing them down in the ground. The other thing that we do is we'll do micronutrient tests on literally every acre. And that is no joke. We do one acre grids on our farm and then we do variable rate with everything. So we don't put the zinc where we don't need it. We don't put the copper where we don't need it. Manganese, here's our challenge with that. A lot of the zinc and the copper tests we feel are fairly real and we're not super concerned about that if you have enough tests, but I only see three tests on all your acres for micronutrients. But anyway, with the manganese, it can be very skewed by soil pH with certain tests. For example, if you have a DTPA test, that's your analysis you're using. The higher that soil pH, the lower your manganese level, period, on the test. You may have all kinds of manganese out there, but it's not showing up in your test. So we like running the Malik 3 analysis because that shows us how much is sitting there 
at all different pHs. So anyway, that manganese I worry about more than any other micronutrient because it's very expensive and it's easy to screw it up if you don't have the right test that you're using and your pH is a little bit off or anything like that. Darren, were there any other questions in it or answers? Uh, well, he said he noticed that he had some manganese deficiencies on corn leaves after liming, and lime will tie up things sure. in the soil. Yes. So I know Neil Kinsey talks about this a lot, that uh, expect to see some tie-up of micros. So here's how many pounds of micros you should put on for every ton of, of lime, that type of thing. Uh, Neil Kinsey's book, Hands-On Agronomy, is super helpful for that. That'd be another resource that you could find as well. So I'm not surprised after the liming that you did see that. So, yes, uh, putting some micros on is great, uh, but just don't break the bank. And yes. uh, another thing that we've heard a lot is it's great to build up the soil. Just don't build it up for someone else because you went broke trying to build it up. Make sure you're getting a return on your investment. Make sure you're going up. So try some of these things on a smaller scale. See if you get the results first before you make the big jump and do a whole bunch of acres. Yeah, like even on our own farm, we've done 50 or 100 pounds of manganese. Sulfate had virtually no yield gain. And so that's why we started switching from DTPA tests to Malik 3 tests. It's like, okay, we actually, since we're doing all these tests, we're able to identify what is helping our yield and what is not on literally thousands of data points over a period of years. So it's super helpful. So we can put charts together showing, oh, here's where we need to be on potassium. Here's where we need to be on zinc or whatever else it is. And even some ratios, phosphorus to zinc. So anyway, great questions. Uh, we'll take some more data. <laughs> we'll, we're always up for more data, but uh, but yeah, just try it on a small scale and go from there. We do we do like micronutrient applications, like Darren said. Just be careful about what you're spending. Hey, thanks for the questions, JP. Really appreciate it. Uh, I got this one from Eric over in Northeast Wisconsin, and he said, I was reading in, in the mailbox section of your Ag PhD Insider magazine. Matt from Indiana provided his latest soil report, and my soils are really similar to his. Cation exchange, 7 to 8. Organic matter, 2.7. Uh, P1 Bray, 75. Potassium, 175 with a 5% K base saturation and about 5 parts per million of zinc. Well, my five-year average has been 225 to 250 bushels. I'm wondering what soil test levels you'd like to see for a 300 bushel corn. And, Brian, one of the things that I looked at is just what is, what's the nutrient removal. So that's total nutrients that you're going to, have to pull out of soil for 225 bushel versus 300 bushel. It's a significant upgrade in how many more pounds of nutrients you'll need if you want to make that yeah, jump. Yeah, so Darren just wrote this down, 84 extra pounds of nitrogen, 38 on phosphate, 101 on K2O potassium, and 11 on sulfur. So I, I, I don't know that there's anything necessarily we have to see in the soil, but we want to see more nutrients out there just so you've got enough to feed that crop. Because even like on the potassium, when you're talking a seven or eight CEC, that's light soil. It's not going to hold the potassium for many years like our soils will. So you may have to do an in-season application of potassium or very early season or just right ahead of the season, whatever it is. You're probably going to need more K. The other thing we get concerned about is, okay, let's say you want to bump that phosphorus level, which I would. Let's say get it up to 100. Well, then you want a little bit more zinc. You don't have to go nuts, but yeah, I mean, maybe getting it up closer seven to possibly even 10 parts per million, I'd bump stuff like that thanks for the question and good luck to you and thanks to you for listening today 
Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.